Knowledge is the fuel that powers intelligent buying and selling. So get a quick recharge with me, Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier and Director of Wine Education for Winebow, Fine Wine, and Spirits. Welcome back to Winesmart. Today we're going to talk about the beautiful Tuscan region of Bolgheri. It's completely synonymous now with these stylishly bold red wines that sit between the classic stylings of Bordeaux and the expected lush forwardness of Napa Valley. Let's explore the why behind this rise to glory, because it's relatively recent. Bulgari is on the coast of Tuscany. It's in the province of Livorno. It's named for the castle of Bulgari, which was first built by the Counts de la Garadesca uh, in the 8th century. And, but it was destroyed and then rebuilt multiple times since then. It starts to sound like a Monty Python skit, but it's the reality of war and, and time. The region is on the Etruscan coast, as it's called, which is right on the Tyrrhenian Sea, and has the, the exact boundary of the municipality of Castagneto Carducci. It is 96 kilometers, about 60 miles west of Siena, and it's 94 kilometers, about 58 miles north of Grosseto, the city of Grosseto. The region is 13 kilometers, that's 8 miles north to south, and only 7 kilometers, 4.4 miles, at its widest point. So it's really not a very large area, and it's become quite densely populated with uh, really uh, high-end wineries. In the 3rd century BC, the Romans built a road, the Via Aurelia, and this is the boundary between plantable vineyard land and what becomes beaches and pine forests that are a little too close to the Tyrrhenian Sea to really be plantable. And it's, I just find it fascinating that the boundary between usable vineyard land is something created by the Romans. The land rises to the east, you know, with vineyards starting at about 10 meters above sea level at their lowest point and then ending at uh, 380 meters above sea level. So there is quite a bit of difference in potential elevation, but not enough elevation to really say, wow, it's so much cooler at 380, you know, 1,000 feet versus 30 feet. Actually, what these hills do is they make the region feel like it's kind of the stage of an amphitheater where the hills are where the people would sit, the vines are planted on the stage, and then the backdrop of the stage is this gorgeous, brilliant blue Tyrrhenian Sea. It's such a beautiful place in the world. The vineyards are a mix of a receding sea. At one point, the sea was further inland than it is now, and um, alluvial fans from the hillside. So every rivulet and stream that comes out of those hills that ends up in on the stage of the amphitheater brings deposition with it. And so underneath is what was underneath the water. And then on top of that is the alluvial fan. Because of this, because there are all those little rivulets and various small alluvial fans throughout this eight mile stretch, there are actually 27 different soil series that are in small pockets rather than large areas. So any given single vineyard is probably going to have multiple different kinds of soil series. Taking that into account, however, what they say generally is this. They are alkaline soils that are sandy clay loam with fine gravel deposits. And that sounds pretty ideal for Cabernet Sauvignon and other Bordeaux varieties. This part of Italy has one of the oldest viticultural histories of the whole Italian peninsula. So it's very interesting that it took till the 20th century for Bulgari to really reach fame and fortune. The coastal nature of Bulgari made it a target for raiders from the sea. They would, you know, it's pretty easy access and it's hard to defend. And so um, under the uh, Leoprand uh, leadership, fortifications were built up in the hills. So they became fortified villages and castles. 
Uh, and it was during this period of leadership that Walfredo was born. And Walfredo is a famous historical figure because he's the forefather of the Della Gerardesca family. And so they have been here in this land, owning property, being leaders, uh, being counts and dukes and so forth for uh, all modern time frame. That said, it wasn't until about the 1600s that the Gerardesca counts initiated a, an ambitious land improvement plan. They planted the first vineyards in the flat terrain, which became what I described as the um, stage of the amphitheater around San Guido and the Belvedere Estates. And you may have heard of San Guido because of Tanuda San Guido associated with Sasakai. They also established agricultural and viticultural projects in Gratamaco, that may sound familiar, Lamentano, Sant'Agata, Castellaccio, Casavecchia, that also might sound familiar, and Felciano. After centuries of leadership in the region, two personalities must be remembered, and they're both related to the Gerardesca family. First one is Guidalberto, who came along in the 19th century. He was a member of the family that renovated the region um, in both viticultural and agricultural practices, brought the most modern techniques, did a lot of research and development, and had the region going in very much the right direction uh, on a way to creating greatness in that time frame and probably would have succeeded, and we might feel completely differently about Bulgari today. It might be as old and respected as Chianti Classico, except that Phylloxera came along and kind of halted all the work and all the progress was stopped while they had to figure out how to deal with Phylloxera. In walks Marchese Mario Incisa della Rocchetta. This is the man that married Countess Clarice della Gerardesca in 1930. He was half Piedmontese, and half Roman. And he moved to Bulgari and took over half of the estate of the Gerardesca family. The other half of the state uh, happened to be um, taken over by Calarice's sister and her husband, Marchese Nicolo Antonori. That probably sounds familiar. So these two historic families now have divided the largest estate in Bulgari between the two of them. So the simple rustic wines of the region really left Marchese Mario wanting something more because he was used to drinking his French wines in Piedmont, etc. He went over to Migliorino Pisano and took cuttings from Duke Salviati's uh, Cabernet Sauvignon plantings. He brought them back and, and planted them on the property. In 1942, he planted them on the flat terrain that I've described already. And that was the beginning of Sasakaya, a wine made for his internal enjoyment only and his, his dear friends until the late 1960s. So it was a it was a wine based on Cabernet Sauvignon. It was based on these cuttings he had taken from another place in Tuscany. And the goal was to make wine that was reminiscent of his love of the French Bordeaux, etc., that he had been drinking while he was in northern Italy. The Antonori family and Marchese Mario are very close now. And his, his nephew, Nicolo's son, convinced him that he should start selling this marvelous wine beyond the family. And so that was Marchese Piero Antinori, who uh, he said, I'll take over the marketing and the selling of it. And so in 1972, the first vintage of Sasakaya hit the public, and it was the 1968 vintage. It was well regarded, and by 1978, 
the wine had reached international acclaim. And then in 1985, the whole world stopped and looked because Robert Parker in The Wine Advocate gave the 1985 Sasakaya a 100-point rating. And that was the first Italian wine ever to get that rating from Robert Parker. And that set in motion what we now experience from Bulgari today, which is a place where you go to get Bordeaux varietal driven wines that are this point between the classic styles of Bordeaux and the lush fruit forward styles of Napa Valley. And so let's move into the modern era about the DOC and what's required and what's not allowed. And so let's start with DOC Bulgari. By the way, we can't go any further here if we don't talk about the idea that Bulgari is a DOC and now Sasakaya is its own DOC. There is this provision in the Italian wine law that allows you to be a DOCG vigna, which is a single property DOCG. And the way you get there, you have to first become a single property DOC. And Sasakaya is the first Italian property to reach DOC status, and they are well on their way to becoming DOCG on their own. So Bulgari Rosso, Superiore, and Rosato all have the same grape standard, and they are 0 to 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, 0 to 100% Merlot, 0 to 100% Cabernet Franc, a max of 50% Syrah, a max of 50% Sangiovese, and then a max of 30% of other authorized Tuscan red grapes, which is sort of the formula throughout Tuscany. In practice, the red wines especially are majority Bordeaux varieties, a, a smidge of Sangiovese sometimes. Grattamaco is kind of the odd ball in that regard in that they always have Sangiovese in their blend. The Rosso must be held until September 1st of the year following the harvest. The Rosso Superiore must be aged a minimum of two years from January 1st of the year following the harvest, and that has to include at least one year in oak barrels. The Bulgari Bianco, if you didn't know it exists, yes it does, is based on uh, any of these three grape varieties, Vermentino, Sauvignon Blanc, and or Viognier. You can blend them, you can have them separate. There's a specific laws for varietally labeled wines, we'll get there in just a second. Those grapes are then allowed to be blended with up to 40% of other white grapes associated with Tuscany. You can get a varietal Vermentino or a varietal Sauvignon Blanc. If that is the case, they must be 85% of the varietal living into EU law and a max of 15% of other Tuscan whites. Now, Bulgari Sasakaya, that magic of its own, is Rosso only. It's a minimum 80% Cabernet Sauvignon, a maximum of 20% other red grapes suitable for cultivation in Tuscany. It must be aged a minimum of two years in total from January 1 following the harvest. Of that two years, at least 18 months of it has to be in 225 liter barrique. We already kind of talked about what you expect from the Bulgari Rosso. Uh, the Bianco and the Rosato wines are, you know, they were the first wines recognized in the region, so they're worth considering. Vermentino is the traditional lead, but Sauvignon and Viognier are increasingly popular. They tend to be unoaked and fresh and vibrant and really great with seafood. The Rosato wines are um, fresh and fruity and easygoing, and they are now focused on Bordeaux varietals because that's what's in the vineyards. Once upon a time, they were focused on Sangiovese. To get you started, I recommend you check out Grattamaco. There's a link in the show notes for Grattamaco and the Consorcio of Bulgari to help you with your research. Until next time.